Hello, Questers. It's Quester Wednesday podcast. How is everybody? I hope you enjoyed our podcast yesterday with Corian Mall and Christopher Morford. It was a very good podcast. Good time. And also from Canada with me on Wednesday is judy hello judy hello john hi everybody cindy i see you're with us and you can hear and see us and that's good well it's good to be here as always Alrighty. hello john hello gloria hello sandaler jeff m in the house The Scottish digger from Scotland's in the house. There's the robot. There's Tammy. There's Josie. There's Becky. There's Luann. There's huh? There's the professor. Unbelievable. So did you guys think it was a good uh, podcast yesterday? Let me hear you. Yeah, let us know, guys. What'd you think? It's going to be an an interesting read, John, for sure. Hello, Judy Sartan. Very good, very good. Hello, Blair. Tammy Hurst in Sydney. Very good, very good. Tammy Stoke with that audio book. Curtis. Hello, Curtis. Hello, Renee. All righty. And today I give a uh, shout outs to uh, all my supporters. Because without them, we don't have a group. I want to thank my YouTubes. Sure. Thank you, Gary. I want to thank my YouTube captains, marshals, and masters. Got a couple of people on Patreon that I want to thank. These are monthly memberships, and I thank them so much. Hello, Amy from Green Bay. We're always here. If not, me and Judy are on the internet forever. Right, Judy? Yes, always. <laughs> <laughs> Just go to our page. Yep, or our group. Hello, Dan. So here's the contributors on a monthly basis. I thank them so much from the bottom of my heart. David, Jumpier, Caroline, Super, Sandra, Mark, Becky Wayne, Elena Nelson, Paul, Carol, Virginia, Kat, uh, Gary, Rebecca, Barbara, Starlene, G- 
UFM Sand Dollar and Roxy. I thank you so, so much. Also, Stacy B, Joanne, and Hardaby for all their support on a monthly basis. I have Judy live. Judy, I thank you for all you do for the podcast. Um, I thank you so much, Judy. You're welcome, John. And I love doing it. I got to thank uh, the professor, Daniel, uh, by himself. And then I got to thank Daniel and Charlotte together for all the information they're giving us and more content for our channel. I thank them so, 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 so much. Hello, Ashley. How are you? I got to thank um, all my moderators, Tammy, Judy, Daniel, Starlene, Kathy, and Tanya from Portugal. Also on the YouTube side, Jeff M. and Gloria, I thank them for all their work they do to make this podcast run as smoothly as they can. There's Dee Dee. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dee Dee Williams. Thank you so much. Hi, Dee Dee. Our lifetime contributor, who was the star man that had a lot of answers for us, Judy, is and was Chris Dona. Yeah, it'd be great to have him here here right now. Yep. I got to thank my main members. They come from the group, the Quest of Oak Island Facebook group. If you haven't joined there from the YouTube side or the Instagram side or the Twitter side, if you want to join up, I'll put in your profile. Oh, we read each and every one of them. Thank you so, so much, Tammy. Thank you. We are live to uh, our Facebook group and obviously here on YouTube. I download later to Twitter and to Spotify. Other platforms include Twitch, Rumble, Discord, and Instagram. And for our members on Spotify, for the podcasters around the world, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Amazon Podcasts, we are on all of those, uh, Judy. We're busy, aren't we? Getting all over the world. Yep. Let me get my thank yous in here. My visual thank yous, guys. And here's the gang right here. You got Judy, Kathy, Starlene, Tanya, Daniel, Jeff, Tammy, and Gloria. I thank you guys so, so much. Yep, put in hashtag hat. If you have not won a quest hat, I got the random generator going. You put in hashtag hat, not just on Facebook. You let StreamYard use your profile picture and name. That's all they take. Otherwise, if you just do it on Facebook, uh, Judy, you'll never be included in the drawing at the end of the show. Right, guys. Just remember, it's always right at, at the beginning of uh, the podcast. It's right above John's head. It tells you what to do. Yep, on Facebook, yep. Uh, last night's show, season 11. Episode six, we'll be discussing the grand opening. That was last night's podcast. Next week, on the 19th, 
Episode 7 is the Great Flood. Don't forget, leaving here, I had huge, huge amounts of rain, big storms here all summer long. So imagine what they got up there. I know they did get a lot for sure. Yep. And everybody asked me around the world, who is this Daniel Spino and Charlotte Wheatley? Well, there they are. A visual of both of them, even though they're in with our Raymond, our artificial intelligence, audio of some of their work. There they are. We always support the compendium that returned the Blockhouse blog that they rebooted. Please support them as you support me. Very good. They have investigations. They have interviews and all the links for the books they recommend to where they buy them, where you can purchase them, and etc. Please check them out. We also support Tony on the Salty Dog Tours, Tony Sampson. Snow Judy, I haven't heard a word of Tours for 2024. Nothing at all, John, yet. Hopefully they'll do it. Yep. Hello, Maureen. Hello, Carol. This is the hat you'll win. I don't even know how many hats I gave away. I had to order another 15, uh, Judy. Wow, well, you've given quite a few away. Everybody's loving them. Yep. But they cost with postage, so that's why your memberships help out. And these super stickers for postage only. It's crazy, and not including how much things are now, like a hat that used to cost uh, $15 or now like $20, because I can't buy in big quantities. You know, I only can buy 15. If you bought 500 of them, okay, but I just can't do that at this time. You know what I mean, Judy? Right, exactly, John. Yeah, you got uh, a lot of equipment to keep up there. Yep. Alrighty. Like I said, the, December 19th, we got the Great Flood. Then I think there's going to be a drilling down. Me and Judy were talking about this pre-show. On the 26th, they're probably going to stick in a drilling down or a rerun on the 26th. There will not be no podcast for me during that week. But also, you know, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification button. I always post maybe some screenshots of what happened on Drilling Down. Judy will write something up. And during the Christmas week, we always keep you informed. We don't go dark on you the whole week. You know what I mean, guys? So there'll always be something posted, a short videos that I do, um, and things like that. I just wanted to tell you, um, on the 26th, that week of Christmas, I won't be live um on this channel and we'll see you live on january 2nd that tuesday episode 8 is called a void at all cost so that sounds interesting a void at all cost it does john it really does unbelievable <laughs> daniel says in the one about the flood noah is in the ark in the swamp in that episode mm -hmm. Probably, because it rained like crazy this summer, Judy, remember? Yes. 
they got it bad. Had some flooding there. Yep. But I got one little pet peeve that was sort of bothering me. So I'm going to put it out there. You know how they're drilling all these boreholes? Yeah. Drill here, drill here, drill there. And then all these people, I don't blame them, but I don't believe in them. Like the aliens and the Bigfoot. Every time they try to show a picture of a spaceship or an alien or a Bigfoot, it's always cloudy, it's always far away, it's always blurry. You know, until they show me proof proof, I don't think so. At this time that you can watch another galaxy a billion miles away that's crystal clear, yet, you know, people shake or whatever they do. Up to 2023, I haven't seen a clear, definite picture of something yet to convince me that all that stuff is real. They could be holding it back, but they got a lot to convince me. You know, Judy? Yeah, me too, John. I keep watching and and I find it interesting, but uh, nope, I haven't been, uh, they haven't proved it to me yet. Right, so that brings me back to Oak Island on my peeve. You put the camera in, obviously you've got a metal casing. So it goes down the casing. Obviously, it's all cloudy and murky. So they wait till it settles down to put the camera down. Then they take the camera out and then put the sonar detector down the hole. Right? That's their protocol, right? Right. Now, my pet peeve is if I got millions of dollars invested in the beginning, even though I now think the show sort of supports them a lot, lot more than the beginning now. You know what I mean, Judy? Yes, I'm sure they they uh, put out most of the money. And Marty seems to be on the edge as far as I saw his attitude throughout the show and the promo. Let's find this treasure. Let's go. Let's go at it. Let's go get it. Let's go. He seems to be more aggressive in his verbiage. How'd you like them words? <laughs> Very good. So... Out of all this money they spent for this new laboratory, it's great for the scans of these corroded artifacts and everything. Why in the world that they cannot find a metal detector to fit down a six inch hole after it passes the metal casing and it goes in a cavern, cavern or anomaly past the metal, that they can turn it on and do like a 20-foot sweep, 360, in this cavern. And if you don't hear no beeps, you get the beep out of there. Let me hear you. Yeah, yeah, I, I see what you're saying, and I agree. Why couldn't they do that? Exactly. What you think, guys? Hello, Dan McSwine. But you know what I mean, Judy? Like, you see how that sonar capsule goes in the point? Right. Yeah, so you're right. Why couldn't they put a detector down? We saw him put it in the water. Gary's hand one, he put it right in the water when they're below the shaft. That's all they got to do is put this in the hole, pass the metal, detect it, no sonar. You do all that stuff if there's no metal hits anywhere. You don't even go any farther. You just move on. What do you think, guys? Holy Muyan! And Muyan was supposed to show us a lot of this stuff. 
And if there's a six-foot menorah cross buried on the island, I'll eat my socks. <laughs> I tend to agree with you on that one. And Daniel says it's a reality TV show. Maybe we shouldn't we expect too much. Josie, how would you control it at 150 feet down? It just drops down the shaft or hole you made. And obviously it's going to have some kind of remote wire also hooked to it. So remotely you'll be uh, uh, hearing the beeps and uh, seeing what kind of uh, metals or whatever you got. There's no control. You're just dropping it down the down the chute. And they'll read it up on top, uh, like a remotable uh, display case up on top. I think you're right on. And Daniel, Daniel says, I nominate John to call the shots. You know, at least they know something that does a 20-foot radius, all right? Give it that much in case there's a small cavern, okay, but just go with a 20-foot radius. They know what GPS, we're the drill now. They know a GPS with Holy Muyan showing them all these voids. So they can do a direct drill down and put a metal detector right down there. And of course, you got to go past the metal, you know, so you'll probably be hitting hits uh, up on top a little bit, but you got to go past that. They got to figure out something. Well, John, I hope they're listening because I think that's just an absolutely great idea. Joe says a pinpointer. Yeah, but we got to get something, Dee Dee, that shows the metal hits in a display like he watches and he sees, you know what I mean, how it beeps or whatever. That's got to be on your remote hand. Just like when they do drone drones, they got the remote in their hand, the drone's uh, 10 miles away, you know what I mean? Right, yes. You know, out of all the money they have spent and all the holes they have driven, you know, why even go there if it don't beep? A relic will be with gold. They're looking for silver. They're looking for gold. They're looking for gold, big gold crosses. So, I don't know. Unbelievable. I guess they won't probably listen to us, will they? Darn it. Yeah, I'm just trying to uh, not push the show along, but I just don't understand sometimes of their techniques on the way they do things, you know what I mean? Right. So I think we all feel that frustration every now and then. You know, if they put the big caissons in and they metal detected below, Mike Huntley wouldn't have to go in there. But if he gets hits, okay, then you go in there, you know what I mean? Right, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Be a lot safer. Yeah. All right, so that was my pet peeve on, you know, okay. You got a camera in there. You got sonar in there. And uh, we got a little statement from uh, Marty Lagina that was posted on November 6th on an article. And this is what he said. This is Marty talking. And tell me what you think about this, guys. Ready? Ready. Something just happened in the last two days here, and I can't say anything about it. But 
if you were a believer in curses, you would think, well, here's something. It's kind of spooky. Hmm. Wow. Well, I don't believe in curses, so he certainly have to show me. Yep. But then he said one more statement. The garden shaft excavation has been intensified. But some of the problems that everybody who has gone below ground here has encountered, well, we are now encountering them. So, when he made them statements, and you see next week's promo that the water's coming in like crazy, but we did have a wet, wet summer. Um, I never saw no pumps in the garden shaft before, so I thought the whole thing is waterproof. And they show the promo of uh, next week that water's coming in on the sides. But then I'm thinking, I thought it was waterproof by uh, Duma Mining up there. Why is it coming in on the sides? Maybe they hit a flood tunnel below the 82 feet. I'm not sure on the footage. You know what I mean? I agree, John. I thought it was, too. I was shocked when I saw that. You call up Duma and say, I want my money back. <laughs> That'd be a lot of money of getting back, I'm sure. Mosey says the depth of the water might be uh Yeah, but Mosey, how come I watch these pirate shows? They're finding gold on these old ships and they're 200 feet below the ocean and they got metal detectors. And they're getting hits uh, in the sand in the many uh, in the uh, ocean. So that don't go, you know what I mean, guys? Right, yeah, they often find something that way. I see them, you know, and they got to go compression back up 200 feet. They got to stay an hour. So they got stuff. But uh, that's only me. Maybe sort of the frustration I'm sort of getting. But I got to remember the production side, the discovery side. Our guys are doing the best they can. And whatever they film, the editor has us by the hooks. And the storyteller tells the story. But after 11 years... I need something in my hand now very shortly. Even though the history is great, you know, the history is great and stuff like that. But sort of like a treasure show, you know what I mean, Judy? Right, exactly, John. Yeah, you want to see that treasure for sure. Uh, Daniel just said here, the eternal question is, is there a treasure there? Was there ever a treasure there? And Gilbert Hedden said no. Mm. And Daniel knows a lot. Yeah, I say something maybe was there a long, long time ago. And everything is gone, so we're looking for crumbs or evidence that something maybe was put there. But as of 2023, I don't think there's anything there. Um, because all this research on the island, not the history, Judy, but the research of them looking for this thing for 228 years. And I'm a civil, uh, I went to civil engineering school. If I piled up all their data just on their digging, their holes, the shafts, the metal detecting, we found nothing but relics from maybe uh, older individuals at different time periods. But we have found no treasure. No, no sign of one at all, really, John. You know, it's great uh, if uh, Scott says, well, we got proof that the Templars were there, but it doesn't mean... You know, they landed there and then went to the mainland and kept on going west or wherever they went with. But uh, 
I'm having my doubts. And I think we all do, and and will continue to. I'm sure that the fellowship has their doubts at times too, whether they'll admit it or not. Yeah, Tammy, but all stories come to an end. Either you find something or not. You know, the end, you know what I mean? So that was my little peeve about last night. And I noticed, uh, just keep an eye on Marty, what he's saying. And Tommy, I know they said it's not from a natural source, but Gold River is like a quarter of a mile away from Oak Island. And that river has been hitting that island for a lifetime. So what does that tell you? Like if Oak Island's using it like a sponge underneath. But yet the team says, you know, it's not natural. They got to show me, Judy. They got to show me. You know what I mean? Right. If the river's flowing there, there's got to be some natural um, metal there. I hear you. All righty. There's got. So, Judy, how's your yeah, voice sir. doing? All right. <laughs> so far, so good. All right. I'm going to put your picture up. Judy's going to do her synopsis, and I'll be printing that out. To everybody to see after the podcast, to read it in detail for her second-by-second second description of the show last night. So let me get Judy's picture up here. I got Judy's picture up here. Judy, when you're ready, the show is yours. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Well, guys, it's Season 11, Episode 6, The Grand Opening. It's a new day of fresh excitement on Oak Island as the team gathers in the Money Pit area to finally put the high-definition camera down borehole L14 to 140 to 142 feet in order to get a good look at Aladdin's cave. Steve lowers the camera down L14, which pierces the cave. They reach the cavity where they can see a ledge and walls that are very distinct. Blaine Carr, who is a sonar expert, says this is a large opening, as was seen on the Muon maps. Blaine asks Steve to move the camera so they can see under the ledge into the bottom of the cavity. He is pleased that the vis visibility is so good and says it is clear enough for the sonar scan, so they bring up the camera. Later in the interpretive center, Laird and Jamie are showing the results of the magnetometer scan performed last week on the circular structure on Lot 5. Jamie says the results suggest there is a larger circular structure under the main structure that can be seen on top. Jamie believes this could mean that people lived on this spot for a while at different times. She is anxious for the archaeologist team to get digging here to see what it is and to find the time period in which the structures were built. The following morning, Charles meets Paul from Dumas to get an update on the progress of the deepening of the garden shaft. Paul explains they are now putting in place a metal frame they call a shoe 
that will protect the men in the shaft while it's being dug. It will take about two hours to get the shoe in place. Then they will begin to dig. Charles leads them to it. Meanwhile, on lot five, the team is digging in the circular structure, and Fiona digs up some old pottery. And while sifting the spoils, Jack finds a hand-cut rose-headed fastener from, Jamie says, the 1700s. It will go to the CT scanner. Fiona then digs up a three-inch hollow metal rod in the shape of a T that Jamie thinks could be a handle of a tool. It goes to the lab as well. Over in the money pit area, the team is about to put the sonar scanner down borehole L14 in order to determine the size of Aladdin's cave and to produce a map of the area. After the scanner goes down, Blaine says they will let it run till morning in order to get the full scope of the cavity. Later, Doug and Laird arrive at the Nova Technical Company in Dartmouth to meet with weapons expert Jeff Parker. They have brought with them the metal ramrod guide found on lot five. Jeff says the guide is from a small rifle or a handgun from the 1500s to late 1700s. Doug points out this matches the dates that William Phipps could have buried treasure on Oak Island. Jeff has no idea what the Roman numerals V-I-I-I-I are for as they are not typically found on guns. The next morning at Borehole L14 in the Money Pit area, the team studies the monitor of the sonar scanner that sits two feet off the bottom of Aladdin's cave, 150 feet down. Blaine says it's possible the cave has been carved out by man and it seems to show an opening into the cave. Blaine will take the scanner home to study the full results, then report to the team. In the interpreter center, Emma and Laird have examined the two articles found on lot five the day before in the circular structure. The second item shows two rivet holes pointing this to be the handle of a tool. Emma says it is old and dates around the same time as the William Phipps artifacts. The first item found, believed to be a fastener, also is old and dates the same time as the handle. Marty wonders if the circular structure could have been a staging area for Phipps, and Rex says more research is needed. Another week closes in the war room with Blaine Carr giving the team the full sonar results of Aladdin's cave. The 3D image shows sloping walls, 
making it impossible to see the bottom. They can clearly see the opening they hope is an entrance. Blaine explains that the floor slopes away, so if any treasure is there, it would be at the bottom of the slope. Blaine wants to drill another borehole hole five to six feet over and put the scanner down so he can see into the cave backwards. Marty orders them to drill. And so join us next week, fellow questers, to see if there is a treasure at the bottom of that slope. And in the meantime, stay safe, please. Fantastico, uh, Judy, on that analysis, second by second. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I hope that helps anybody that uh, doesn't have a chance to watch the show. Yep, and then I'll use uh, Madison's voice and put you in Patreon to put give them people a little voice over in Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sounds good. <laughs> So if you want to join Patreon, it's free. You can join there free if you want to. QOI Patreon channel. I want to answer, uh, Tommy had a question about the little blob that there's gold in that area. And also gold and silver in this new area in this new Muyan area that they found, Aladdin's Cave, Judy. Okay, John. Hello, Stacy Beck. Thanks for coming in. Don't forget, guys, you got to look back into history. When they say things, I mean, we're pretty sharp on a lot of things, and all my members are. Don't forget this. I told you about Gold River that's been pouring into Oak Island from the start of time. Also, in the Money Pit area, Tammy, Tammy, Tommy, at 150 feet below the Money Pit, there is a solution channel that runs 170 feet below the Money Pit. Now, if you have a river flowing in there and you have a solution channel moving stuff at 170 feet, you have a continuous inflow of whatever's coming that way. See what I'm saying, Judy? Yes, I do, John. That makes perfect sense. So I just wanted to answer him on that. And don't forget, put hashtag hat in for people that have not won a hat. I thank them so much. Ready? And also Daniel and Charlotte. I love Daniel's and Charlotte's stuff. And when they said there could be sort of maybe a black house in this 13-foot circular area, that made a heck of a lot of sense to me. It's real close to the shore. You're not going to build a house that close to the shore because you want to get out of the weather. So on lot five, if you want to be more inbound, you'd be more towards uh, Dan and David's land, lot 23. You wouldn't be... Uh, 25 feet off the beach. You know what I mean, Judy? Right, I agree. Uh, yeah, it was really interesting, uh, the blockhouse. I had never read anything about one before. So I'm going to put up a little... I posted it. So before I go through okay. my screenshots, I'm going to uh, 
I'm going to show you guys. And all the credit goes to Daniel Spino and Charlotte Wheatley. And this is Raymond from the UK that's part of our membership. <laughs> right, this is about six minutes long, Judy. Everybody let me know if you can hear Raymond. And this was posted on my channel, but who knows who saw it. A lot more people see it now live than uh, taped or earlier today. So that's why I redo it now. Okay, Judy? Sounds good. All right, here we go. Then we'll get into our screenshots after this is done. Just tell me if you can see it and hear it good. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Season 11, Episode 6, The Grand Opening Artifact Feature Analysis. In last night's episode, The Grand Opening, archaeologists Laird Niven and Jamie Kuba are at the interpretive center where Jamie gave the results of the magnometer testing that she completed on Lot 5, that was shown in last week's episode. Laird states that the results had some surprises. Jamie said that the scan was processed by St. Mary's University in Halifax. She reveals that the results suggest there is a larger rectangular feature that is underneath the circular feature. It was also suggested that this structure was inhabited and abandoned. In a previous episode, the team mentioned that the excavation site seemed to have been filled in with stones and boulders at some point after this initial habitation. Compendium Investigations believes that a British military fortification may have been on Lot 5 at the Circular Depression. Due to the shape of the feature that was revealed last night, this could suggest the possibility of a British blockhouse. According to the Halifax Military Heritage Preservation Society website, it says, Intended only as temporary works, each blockhouse was about 12 to 18 feet square and 25 feet in height. Each was surrounded by a triangular palisade of double pickets, 60 feet long on the long sides and 45 feet long across the rear, about 8 feet high and with musket loopholes. The blockhouses themselves were two-story machicolated structures made of thick horizontal squared timbers, prefabricated in the town, with musket loopholes and an opening on each side for a small cannon, likely a short brass three-pounder using canister or grape shot or a swivel gun. They would have each resembled the Fort Edward blockhouse that remains today at Windsor, Nova Scotia, only smaller. Each had accommodations for a guard consisting of a corporal and 10 to 20 men. The peninsula blockhouses endured for a decade until about the early 1760s, by which time, with the defeat of French forces in North America and the decline of the associated French encouragement and support for native incursions against the British, the threat of native attack had faded. The blockhouses were abandoned after about 1761, and their sites passed into private ownership. They soon fell into ruins and disappeared over the next two decades. This sounds very similar to the excavation area and artifacts discovered at the site on Lot 5. While working at the Lot 5 excavation area, archaeologist Fiona Steele discovered more pieces of creamware. It's stated that the archaeologists have found many pieces of creamware and would try to put them together and make a complete vessel. It was also stated that they have been finding more pottery as they have dug deeper. This suggests habitation and reinforces the idea of a military installation that was used for a period of time and then abandoned. In this same area, archaeologists Jamie Kuba and Fiona Steele found two other artifacts. The first is what Jamie identified as a rosehead spike. This was basically used as a nail in buildings and ships, and she estimated the date in the 1700s. 
The second artifact was speculated to be a handle to a shovel or some tool. The date on this piece was in the same date range as the spike. The pieces were bagged and tagged and sent to the interpretive center for further testing and analysis. We are then taken to Nova Tactical in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, where Doug Crowell and Laird Niven brought the ramrod guide that was found on Lot 5 by Gary Drayton in a previous episode. They met with Jeff Parker, who was identified as a weapons expert. Jeff examined the artifact and agreed that it was indeed a ramrod guide. He stated that he thought it was from a flintlock handgun, pistol or rifle. He also stated that he did not know what the markings that looked like Roman numerals were that are on the artifact. He dated the piece from the 1500s through the 1700s. This launched speculation that it was connected to William Phipps because of the dating suggested by Mr. Parker. The scene shifted to the interpretive center, where the team's archaeometallurgist Emma Culligan presented the results of the two artifacts that were sent to her. Emma stated that the rose-head spike, which was identified as a nail on its bag, was hand-forged and dated in the 1700s. The other artifact discovered was listed as indeterminate object on the bag. It was suggested it was a handle of a tool at the excavation site. Emma said it was iron and had a similar date to the spike. Emma also revealed that both artifacts have the same chemical composition as the previously discovered iron latch or raft spike. These pieces all matched the composition of the artifacts that were analysed from the William Phipps site in Maine. This identification of a composition match with the Phipps area artifacts launched the speculation that it supports the Phipps theory regarding Oak Island. It was suggested that because Phipps came back to Britain with less treasure after his second expedition to the sunken treasure site of the Concepion, that William Phipps and Andrew Belcher hid looted treasure on Oak Island. Unfortunately, recorded history reveals that the treasure site's location had become known to other treasure hunters and had been pilfered and worked considerably by the time that Phipps returned, which explains his lower yield. It should be noted that just because these recently found artifacts had the same chemical composition as the Phipps site artifacts in Maine, does not necessarily mean Phipps was on Oak Island. These items were British and sent to the American colonies. Maine and Nova Scotia are in close proximity to each other, and it is known that both areas received the same goods imported from Britain. The dating of these artifacts could be older than the late 1600s ES. The dating could be to the mid to late 1700s ES, which is consistent with the other artifacts being found all around the Lot 5 excavation site. Boom. Thank you so much, Daniel and Charlotte. Very good. And Raymond. Right, Judy? Yes, very good, guys. I enjoy this because uh, they go right into the artifacts and research them, and uh, I get to hear that part, which is great. Right. They're asking about Miriam. Who knows? Maybe she went back to school or whatever she's doing. I have no idea. I'm not privy to any of that information. Only to what we see on TV. New people, old people, whatever. Yes. It's nice. It's nice to get different pieces. Yeah, we get a lot of audio there for Tammy, so that'll help her out, right? Right, for sure. I know she enjoys it. I got one other tidbit of information that um that ramrod guide. You know, that guide, that ramrod that they showed in the, the mall there to that supposedly gun uh, person. 
Jeff Parker. Where's Carmen? Yeah, I was wondering that too. (laughs) Why are you going to the mall? So I'm going to have to ask him. I haven't had a chance. Hey, what happened? You know what I mean? Right, yeah. I want Carmen on as often as possible. Unbelievable. All right, so here we go, our screenshots. Here we go. I like the way the do. I like the way the blah blah blah. I like the way the show started right out, going right to the camera. You notice that? Yes, I did notice that, and that's unusual. Yeah, I thought, well, okay, they're gonna do this and do that and war room, and then shows one picture of a foggy or blurry void. But no, boom! Right off the beginning, we're going right to the camera footage. I hope they keep doing that. Hello, Patricia. Daniel Daniel says that I think Mr. Parker is the store's gunsmith. You stole not Carmen. No, you got it. You got it. I guess Paul Troutman is the cameraman. A little foggy. A little blurry. Where's the team? We have an underwater imaging expert, Blaine Carr. Don't need no expert if you want to see shiny stuff on a camera, you know what I mean? You just need two eyes. Yes, for sure. I guess you just got to know how to work it, though. Yeah, get the details of the the angles and everything else that we don't know about. And there's Blaine Carr. They're going to enter the cave at 140 to 142 feet. We're looking for tunnels and vaults in the war room. Two were located at depths of 65 and 115 feet, respectively. Just to tell uh, Tommy, there's a 170-foot deep solution channel under all this. And who knows what's getting caught up in there, minerals-wise. There's the Aladdin's Cave size. Well, it is pretty big, isn't it? Yep. Mm-hmm. In Borel L14, Stephen says. He says, the lights are on. We're ready to drop her. Let it go. It's going. Here we are going down the borehole. Just touching the bottom of the pipe. I'm not sure if it's six inch or eight inch pipe. I don't remember.
And there's the first pitcher. That's a clear pitcher, Judy. It's about it. I'm going to show others just to see if somebody else sees something more than I do, Judy. Okay. Sounds good. Stacy thinks it's unnatural. There's another pitcher just dangling out of the edge of the casing. You guys see anything? This looks like a lot of rock to me. Hmm. What do you see? Nothing. Okay, good. <laughs> I thought I was missing something, John. Well, supposedly, you know, they dug into bedrock, maybe in France or somewhere. And Dan Blankenship went 235 feet, just digging and putting railroad cars in there for lining. So long, long time ago. Who knows how they did it long time ago, Judy? Um, John, I'd like to be able to watch them do one. So I took a lot of screenshots you know me, to maybe see something that they already saw but not telling us, you know what I mean? Right, yes, and that certainly happens a lot. Or if it's showing something, they probably edit it out before they put it on TV for us to spot, you know what I mean? Could be. Uh, Daniel says they said earlier that it appeared that the area was filled in with stones and boulders. That's the 13-foot section he's talking about, Lot five, not a Lennon's cave. Okay. Daniel said the solar expert said the geologist will tell you that's natural. That's all we got to hear. I hear you, Daniel. Right. The rest is all story time. Just have a couple of run, a couple of shots there. And then Marty, you so badly wants to find something. So do we all, you know what I mean? But yeah, we do. It's got to be getting to a crazy point by now. Has to be. I I don't know how they do it. I really don't. And Marty's not a guy that um, has a lot of patience at times. I think so. It's probably getting to him. Yeah, I'm just posting these and showing you guys in case you see something I don't. But that's what it was shown to us last night in this void, Aladdin's cave. And they're going to drill another hole and put the camera down at another angle. But I really don't see anything they're seeing features. Hello, slide. Tammy is asking, how do you tell the difference between man-made and natural? Well, man-made, you'd see uh, pick marks, uh, shovel marks on the walls, uh, right angles, square things. You know what I mean? Nature doesn't put whatever they were using to dig out granite. They had to have something that was making marks. You know what I mean? 
Right. We haven't seen any. But again, if it has collapsed, then it might be difficult to see that kind of stuff. Right. Could collapse in the, into the silt. Because you know when Mike Huntley put his first foot in the bottom of C1, all that silt that's been sitting for centuries, boom, it all came up like dust and he couldn't see anything. Right. Like uh, Judy says, I mean, this could be the ceiling on the floor that it collapsed. Who knows? Daniel says, hopefully we get a nice surprise. Do you know something we don't, Daniel? Hmm. Yep, Patricia, even 10X was murky, but they were using cameras in the 1970s. This is 2023. We have drones flying on the Mars. We're seeing billions of years away, stars crystal clear. I just can't believe it. We don't have the technology that this would be clear if the water was clear. Right, I agree. Daniel says limestone caverns is part of the island. Yeah, because you know C1's all full of caverns there. We know 10X is all caverns there. So they're in the same area. So one and one equals two, Judy. You got it, John. We're just looking for a square box full of goodies or a relic, a six-foot relic plastered in gold. Okay. <laughs> but I actually didn't see anything that really float on my boat on these screenshots of Aladdin's cave. No, nothing big yet. We'll see what happens. And we're back to the lab. Then they go back to lot five, which just is, I had another shot, uh, Judy, that how close this 13-foot uh, diameter circle stone thing on Robert Young's lot. It's very close to the shore. In fact, this picture is, is showing you they never show you from the 13 foot hole to the shore. They're always showing us inside. You know what I mean? Right. Yes. Gotcha. There's the dot, but I don't know. The dot's not really giving it a good distance, but that dot is where I love it. That, that uh, it could be a blockhouse sort of fort that was there to watch people coming in. Otherwise, it would be near the number five inland if you're going to build anything. Right. Yeah, it's a good spot for one. Uh, Daniel says John wants the solid gold six-foot manure for his patio. Yep. Next to my Weber grill. Right. <laughs> Franklin says, hey, John, do you remember the episode where one of the drill holes was squirting water out of, yeah, squirting air to hit an air pocket? And Greg and the gang run to the hole, and Greg looked like he was wiping gold off the blades. Nah, I don't think so. 
I can see that episode where the air was coming out right next to the, the garden shaft. I can see the air coming out and they ran all over there. And then they backed yeah. off because they got to make sure there wasn't gas or anything. You know what I mean? You don't run towards something like that because it could be uh, gas coming out of there. Right. Yup, Scott, the trees were shorter then or not at all for the blockhouse. Yeah, I love that blockhouse theory, Daniel and Charlotte. You made my day. And here's where they, uh, I forgot the name of that machine that they borrowed from St. Mary's University. And this is the grid pattern that they went on. Showing that it's a lot bigger situation. Oh, then the top part, Judy. Right. Yes, John. And I did write that down, and I can't think of it all right now. That word, it's a big word. Yeah. And I had enough trouble saying it. Well, don't worry about it. Well, that makes total sense to me. But then what I say that makes sense, the show will come up with something absolutely different. But show me the proof. You know, Laird is a straight shooter. If it's a... Uh, Bag seal or whatever it is, he tells it the way it is. You know what I mean? Yes, he does. I'm always happy when Laird comes up with the answer. Yep. Don't forget, guys, hashtag hat for a new Quest of Oak Island baseball cap sent around the world on my dime. If you're international, I need your phone number and send the information, if you're a winner, to the Quest of Oak Island at aol.com that's quest of oak island at aol.com with your address and your phone number if you win and you're international the address uh, just stays with me doesn't go anywhere but there Rick keeps on telling multiple stories, multiple stories. Yep. We got that. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of those for sure. Then it's return to the sonar. I wish I could read sonar. I can read my MRI results, but I can't I can't read sonar <laughs> that good, you know what I mean? And you notice that air vent, that big yellow thing is an air vent. And now right. they, and now they also have a like a fire hose for the pump. So you'll see right next to that air hose is that water pump. You see it guys? Yeah. I see it, yes. So that's new to me, watching and seeing the water pump there. So I just wanted to point that out. Then they were making that big uh, steel shaft. So when they dig, the dirt don't go out on them. Like a digging shaft. Right. 
Yes. They put a temporary metal protection for the guy so the walls don't cave in. Then they come down with the wood. But I'm very shocked in the next week's promo that water's coming in all over the place. And I thought this whole thing was waterproof. I understand it was flooded in the beginning here, but that was from the bottom up. I thought it's all, all like uh, spray foam all on the sides, Judy. So that's got me all screwed up now. Yeah, me too, John. The only thing I could think of was there's just so much water that it won't hold it back. Nurse Stacy, anyone else notice it seems the brothers are doing less themselves than other seasons? Well, yeah, there's less uh, areas to do. I mean, they got the swamp and they got the garden shaft that Duma's doing. And what else is for them to do but research after that? You know what I mean, guys? Right, exactly. There's so many people involved now that there just isn't uh, room for everyone to help out every day. Yep, and we got uh, Lot 5, the garden shaft, in the swamp. And it was so rainy this year, they got into the swamp late. But uh, who knows, maybe we got goodies out of there. I don't know. And this is where they're going to go to 95 feet, intersect this tunnel. That's either collapsed. And take a look at it. Wow. Back to lot five with the sifter. I can use that for my Parmesan cheese to grate my cheese so I can put it on my pasta for Christmas. There's Jack the Sifter. They're finding some uh, creamware. Well, like, I don't know who said it in the chat, uh, Judy, but the military, they had like metal things, didn't they? Metal containers, metal dishes or whatever, because they're military. They're not going to have things that break all the time, are they? No, I wouldn't think so, John. I'm... I'm sure they had most mostly metal stuff. There might have been the odd piece that was uh, pottery. Well, Tammy, they released the metal shaft around them once they put the wood shaft in, and then they take it back up the shaft. Once the permanent wooden walls and ladder are put in every eight-foot section, and then they'll take out the metal protection. Because when I was in uh, civil technology, we had to do some sewer lines. We had a big thing that the big grade all would grab a cage. And what it is, it just holds the sides of the dirt from not collapsing on you. And then they would move it forward as you backfill. But that's what a sewer pipe. This is basically the same thing, but with, you know, four sides on it because they're doing a shaft. Here's this one more artifact they found. You're going to laugh what I thought I was. What, John? What'd you think? This picture here, I thought it was a big shaver. <laughs> yeah, it could be, couldn't it? <laughs> Stacy, 
Stacy Beck says, I believe the officers and generals would have had creamware. Hmm. That's possible. Yep, we're going to have to look into that. So that's the first thing that came to my mind. It's a rusty, not big shaver, but the old-fashioned straight razor things. But I think that was how they shaved was with a, either a knife or the old-fashioned straight blade. You know, Judy, I don't know how they shaved and or if they even shaved in the 1400s or the 1350s. I don't know. They might not have a lot, John, but they used a straight razor, I think. A lot of beards at that time. No hairdressers, just... Let it go wild, you know what I mean? Right. Yuck. <laughs> yeah, it could have been a key. Yeah, I hear you. But we got to think out of the box here. What we think it is, it never is. So my brain goes all over the place, uh, Judy. Yes, John. We overthink it all, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> Daniel corrects me up. Here's the sonar. Brand new, a shiny brand new one. Okay, Blaine. We're getting the dimensions. Leading into the feature of Aladdin's Cave. Hello, whoa, 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 whoa. Anybody down, 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 there, 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 there. <laughs> the Ecologger DASS710 sonar device. <laughs> Here's how she works. And it's high intensity radar pulses, guys. To make another three-dimensional map, I still want to see Steve Guptel's three-dimensional map of the island. I hope we get to see that before it's all said and done. Muzi says, Google 15th and 16th century tools, and you'll see some similarities. Oh, that good. Okay. was found. Okay, guys. I hear you guys. I hear you. We got a better explanation. Tammy wants, to know, Tammy wants to know, do they have to use a new sonar every time they go down? I don't think so. Do they, John? No. Until it doesn't feed back data, then they know something's wrong with the relay system. Then they'll have to replace it, but not really. But Muyan did show Aladdin's cave. Did it show any square boxes? No. That's what Muyan was supposed to do, was eliminate all this stuff. But right. that's not me to say. We went to the mall. We see Laird and Doug. Then went to Dartmouth, to the gun shop. Here's Jeff Parker. I'd rather see Carmen Lake, but that's my own personal opinion. 
turn and look at it. You threw me off when you said it could have been a flintlock handguns, but generals and stuff like that would have handguns, and the infantry more would have rifles. I think that's my own opinion. What do you think, guys? That could very well be yes. And Steve's looking at the sonar. That this is different. He's seen a lot of those. There's always a possibility. This is what he was shown. The uh, ramrod guide. They always say, I'm getting sick of this word too. It's possible. It's possible. There is an opening there. An entrance and an exit to where? This thing's like 85 feet away from the garden shaft. They're going to tunnel 85 feet to this thing. We'll see. They were pointing somewhere on the top. Maybe it was going towards the uh, tunnel under the garden shaft, Judy. I'm not sure. They're down 150 feet deep in Aladdin's cave, 142 for them top. And then you got eight foot height wherever they drilled that hole. You guys understand me? Right. Yes. Gotcha. Marty, I love you. He's getting crazy. Was there ever any evidence that this is natural or man-made? Now we got to roll our eyes. Here we go. Now, the geologists might look at this and say it could be natural. That's all we had to hear, Daniel. What you'll see on the upper right of this picture, they think that's the entrance. And on the left-hand side, you see nothing there. You see that blue line going all the way up to the left? Yes. Well, that's how you get in because there's nothing there. And you go around and out the top, off on the right-hand side. Okay. Gotcha. In the middle, it's the bottom, it's the walls. Hello, PC. How are you? Back to the foggy, rainy Oak Island, back to the lab with the two pieces from lot five. There's the big shaver. <laughs> it has two holes in it. Some people say it was part of a key, a handle from a key. The other part broke off, Judy. That's possible. You know what I mean? Right, it could be. Very, very much so, but I'll always think of it now as a razor. Mm. <laughs> Something was attached to it. Obviously, I'll run it away. There, they're showing the two holes there. 
aluminum to silicon ratio. And this guy's been showing up a lot. Phipps? Yes, heck of a lot. Well, we're due to get the Templar story very shortly because we haven't heard about the Templars, and that's a good show grabber when they start pointing us to the right. Templars, you know what I mean? <laughs> and probably Daniel's right, too, because when they knew that Wreck was with all that silver and stuff and he came back with a ton of silver, by the time he went again to finish off whatever the Wreck was, You've got thousands of people that know where this wreck is, not like before, and they would plunder the whole thing out. That's why he brought back less. Not that they stored it out and, and stole more. I think it was just plundered more and more from people knowing the location. By the time they got back, that's all that was left. I, I think that makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, Daniel says, after I say it's natural... Next week, they'll pull John's seven-foot menorah out of there. <laughs> I notice that menorah's getting taller all the time. Yeah, from five foot to seven foot, and it's off solid gold. Imagine the weight of that yeah. thing. Can't even. Lon likes the Templar talk. I hear you. And this Phipps connection to the island? I don't know, Marty. Show us something, put us something, put something in our hand, will you please? And then this fastener. You would think if they had that blockhouse, there'd be a lot of fasteners in that hole, you know what I mean? Yes, a lot. Yeah, a real lot. And they're connecting it to uh, Sir William Phipps. I guess. Now we're going to get one more look at the sonar, but I really didn't get much out of it, uh, Judy. You know what I mean? They're saying there's an entrance and an exit. I don't right. know. I don't I... know about that, but they had to go with the storyline there, you know? Yes, they do. I mean, they can show this all day long and try to explain. Well, how come we're not seeing no 90-degree angles? How come we're not seeing no boxes? How come we're not seeing? Because it's probably natural limestone void right now we'll see what next week brings i'm so anxious to see what happens in the garden shop next week an entrance <laughs> or an exit into this cavern next weekend the next one is called the great flood so we're going to see all about the garden shaft being flooded out so we know about that already you know judy right exactly all right, don't forget to uh, put hashtag H-A-T in the live chat here. Not on Facebook, but here. And let StreamYard use your name and profile picture only. Um, then I'll do one screenshot after we draw the uh, hat giveaway. Yep, Daniel. I agree with you 100%. We will be triple surprised.
<clears throat> Seven weeks I've had this cold. <clears throat> and allergies. You sound a lot better. Yeah. All right. Everybody have. Thank you, everybody. <clears throat> everybody put their entries in. We got 20 entries in. We'll give you a couple of seconds. Good luck, everybody. <clears throat> All right, there you see it. We got 20 entries. Don't forget, if you're not in the USA, please give me your phone number, international. And email me at the quest of Oak Island at AOL.com. Good luck to all you. Here we go, Judy. Ready? Right, ready. Three, two, one. Bingo. Curtis Burnett. If you've oh, won nice. one, if you've won one, please let me know. I think that name is ringing a bell. Have you won a quest gray with what lettering hat? Let us know in chat if you're here. Gloria or Jeff M, if you can see it, if he replies. Curtis Burnett. I hope he's in chat, Judy, in case we got a redraw. Right, yes. The, the, the name Curtis I've heard before. I don't know about Burnett. Okay, thank you, Curtis. He has not won a hat. Well, you won one now. Thank you so much, Curtis. Congratulations and joy. Very, very good. Very good. I'm going to put up a couple of these here. There's the black house. That could be on uh, a lot five. Or something like this here. Notice they're pretty close to shore to see what's going on. So, Daniel, I love that you and Charlotte did this. I just love it. I just love because I think that's possible, you know, 90%. I agree. All righty. Let me see here. We'll give you one screenshot for next week because then I ruin all my pre-shows. If I don't have an interview, this is all I have to show you guys. <laughs> you just can't keep it to yourself, can you? No, no. <laughs> and if Dumas knew there was a lot of water coming in on this uh, garden shaft, what the heck are Marty and Rick doing down there? Right, I agree. You know what I mean? I'm saying, well, if water, that's a lot of pressure. Doesn't matter what you have there, pressure, you know what I mean? Water pressure made the Grand Canyon. 
Yes. And Roger, it's crazy. We're encountering a lot of water. Oh, my lordy, 40. Well, I think if anything had happened to anybody, we would have heard by now. Unbelievable. Daniel says Mahone Bay was a dangerous place at that time for colonists. Mm, I hear you. The Mi'kmaq weren't very happy when they were coming in. No, I'm sure they weren't. But a lot of water coming in on the garden shaft, and these guys are right in the shaft, so I'm pretty sure safety-wise that was okayed by somebody, or somebody would have right. been fired if something happened, you know what I mean? Exactly. So that's what I have for today, guys. We'll see you next Tuesday, pre-show, 6.45, for the Great Flood, Episode 7, December 19th. And Judy will be with me on the 20th, that Wednesday, for her synopsis and the screenshots and Daniel and Charlotte's information. I'm glad Daniel and Charlotte's uh, information gives us more content, even if it's in the AI mode. It just gives a lot of content that I love. I thank him for that permission. And um, that's about all I got, Judy. So if you want to say your goodbyes, and I'll say my goodbyes. But I'm, oh, my God, an hour and a half already. But it was a good show. Go ahead, Judy. Yeah, I think we had a good podcast tonight, John. Lots to talk about, for sure. And I think everybody was wanting to talk as well. So, everybody, I'll see you next Wednesday night. Uh, in the meantime, I want everybody to stay safe, please. And you too, John. I will. Have a good night, everybody. I'll talk to you soon, Judy. Okay. Bye-bye. Fantastic show tonight. Fantastic uh, with Corey and, and Christopher yesterday. Unbelievable. We try to give you the best. Please support the channel if you can. Please like. Please subscribe if you can. It all matters. It all matters. But remember, members, what do I tell you? Always go forward. You may get a setback in your life at some time, but just believe in yourself. You believe in your dreams. No matter how old you are, you go for it. For tomorrow's a never given. Never in this crazy world we live in. Oh, my lordy, forty, holy mooyan. What's happening to this world and the people in it? So as my friend Jan says, always keep smiling. You never know what that other person's going through, but keep that smile going and you stay safe, like Judy says. Also, stay strong. You stay positive, not only physically, but mentally. Stay strong. Show that positivity vibe, that aura of positivity. Thank you for joining me and Judy tonight. We'll see you next Tuesday pre-show, 6.45. I hope you enjoyed the show. Take care. Thank you again. And bye-bye.